Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bruning. I am joined by Mr. Matthew Fox and Dennis Bennett, as always, on Thursdays. We're going to talk, finally get into some rookie talk. We're going to talk about some rookie quarterbacks. Uh, We've got some free agent signings that are still kind of trickling in, so we'll give our thoughts on those as well. And then we are going to continue with our NFL mock draft picks 7 through 12. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this beautiful Thursday? I am doing... Pretty good, all things considered. Feels like between my new monitor and my overhead light, though, I'm, I'm kind of shiny. Now I, I froze for a second there. Um, I, I need to do something to get rid of the glare off my bald head. My sixth head here is working. But, uh, you know, it's the weekend for me. Getting older this weekend, so, you know, that's always a good thing. Every day I spend looking down in daisies instead of up at them. I was going to say, maybe the brightness is just the angelic glow of a forthcoming birthday. Maybe. I'm, I, might, I might see how this monitor performs and turn this overhead light off. I us say it doesn't look that bad on our end. I don't know. I, I don't like my, I don't love my light either. My wife bought me one of those ring lights and it's very bright. It, may, it hurts my eyes, but huh, it doesn't look that bad. That does, that's not better. You don't think so? I think it looks all right. It's all right. Matt? Maybe it's just my face that's bothering me. <laughs> Doing pretty good. It's supposed to be uh, actually nicer this weekend today. Back uh, the sunshine made a return appearance. Uh, actually got to have lunch outside. Very Starting nice. to feel a little bit like spring. And, you know, got to spend some quality time studying uh, rookie prospects. So uh, it's been a good week. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's been beautiful weather here in Texas as well. Unless, uh, you know, except for like the past couple nights where we got put like under tornado watches and like 60 mile per hour winds, horrific rains. If you've been watching the, me podcasting the past couple nights, you've seen me like freaking out, running out of here because it's like my door about to get blown in by the wind. So it's not a. Outside of that, it's been beautiful. Absolutely, it's wonderful. just uh, summer in Colorado. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I can't. I shouldn't complain about the weather anymore. You, you guys always seem to get it worse than I do when it really comes down to it in the end. So, all right, let's talk about some of these free agent signings. Um, 
One that I, I posted when I saw it happen, I knew our friend Tony was smiling. T.Y. Hilton, one year, $8 million to the Colts. Uh, he replied in there that he felt uh, the Colts still needed to get a little extra something at the wide receiver position. I agree with them. I do expect them to grab somebody else in the draft this year. But, Dennis, what are your thoughts on Hilton coming back to the Colts on a one-year deal? I think it's a perfect fit for both of them. He knows the offense. He knows his role. Uh, Michael Pittman is emerging there. Who knows whether or not we get a healthy year of Paris Campbell or not. I hope so. Got my fingers crossed. That would really that would really boost a few of my fantasy teams to have him uh, be fantasy relevant uh, all season long. But if not, you know, they've got Zach Pascal, who's performed well and stepped up when they needed him to. Um, you know, they need to bring in a tight end to go with Jack Doyle because uh, Mo Ali Cox and Trey Burton have both been uh, out on the free agent market. Actually, so, Mo Ali Cox got tendered. He's back on the roster. Oh, did he? Oh, perfect. So, yep. you know, it's it's it, it's all going to come down to um, how quickly Carson Wentz gets up, up to speed and settles in. Uh, I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me to – it, it wouldn't surprise me to see T.Y. Hilton have a top 24 season, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him be outside of the top 60. So it's, you know, he, he's going to, on a weekly basis, he's likely to be quite volatile. So it's he's not going to be ranked highly, I don't think, in uh, uh, Bob Lung's consistency rankings, that's for sure. Yeah, so when I was looking at it this morning, First of all, I wouldn't rule out they, they still seem to be in play for potentially trading for somebody like Ertz or signing Ertz if he comes free. I think they're going to add, whether it be a tight end or, or a receiver, another player to this group. But they have four potentially uh, receivers that will compete. Um, last year, Hilton was the top receiver, was wide receiver 42. Pascal finished as wide receiver 56. And Pittman was wide receiver 79. We think the pass offense might be a little bit better with Wentz over Phillip Rivers, but Rivers wasn't as down as, you know, you might've thought he had over 4,000 yards passing. I still think Pittman's the one that I would favor owning in dynasty and probably would be my pick to finish the highest, but I'm with Dennis. There's a wide range of outcomes for T Y Hilton. He's always been kind of a boom bus guy on the fields. Um, He's had some incredible seasons. He actually was healthier than I remembered last year. He played in and started 15 games, saw 93 targets, just was only able to get 56. Uh, you know, if that catch percentage comes up a little bit or he gets back over 100 targets, uh, you could see him going into the wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. I think one of their receivers will finish as a wide receiver two. It's hard to imagine two or three of them do. Yeah, I think he's got a better shot at finishing as a wide receiver three more than anything else. I I do believe in Pittman. You know, we did see him come on a little bit. And then for whatever reason, Pascal just seemed to jump him toward the end of the year. We don't know how much that compartment leg syndrome kind of slowed Pittman down as well. Him coming back, he came back very quickly from that. I know when it first happened, you know, there's a lot of people talking about would he even be able to play again last year. He, He was able to come back played fairly well for me. It was like a three or four game stretch that he was really good. And then Pascal kind of jumped him. I do expect, even if they bring in a, an Ertz, I still think Pittman's kind of the guy, at least he, I agree with you guys. He's the guy that I'm going for, but I could see 
Hilton coming in as like the wide receiver three somewhere in that range. He knows the offense, and I don't think it's going to be hard for him to get on the same page as Carson Wentz. Uh, Mike Davis signs a two-year, $5.5 million deal with the Falcons. Obviously had a really good year in uh, replacement of an injured Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers. We do know, obviously, having Arthur Smith there in Atlanta. A lot of people were getting kind of excited about this with how much he likes to run the ball. I'm not sold that he is going to be their starter. That seems more like backup money to me. But he's a guy who's proven that if you do draft a running back or maybe bring in somebody else, uh, that Mike Davis can easily fill in for him if he gets injured. But, Matt, what uh, what is your takeaways from Mike Davis landing with the Falcons? Matt. The money's not incredible, but Atlanta had cap issues, so not incredibly surprising that they aren't able to do big money deals. So Mike Davis, probably a great option for them coming in kind of in that mid-range. I tend to be with you. There's a couple of signings that we're going to talk about our running backs here that I think are teams that are going to go take somebody in the draft. I would bet that that's what Atlanta does too because that's a cheaper way to get top-end talent. We we have all kind of figured Ito Smith and Kadri Allison were not going to be the the platoon running backs uh, in Atlanta. Those were the only two guys they had on the roster. Davis, if he got a good shot, last year was a pretty steady RB2 uh, for most of the season with, with Carolina. Has the ability to catch the ball, has the ability to be a decent runner. Um, but we could see a situation kind of like what we saw a couple of years ago with him in Chicago, where he was the veteran that they signed and then they drafted a David Montgomery. And after about the first month of the season, he kind of got phased out. Yeah, he, he was definitely brought in on backup money. And if you're looking to go cheap, I could see you go, hey, come in here. Yeah, you had a good year, but, you know, where this is this is where we value you at. And then not bring in somebody to start over him. I think they. I think that Allison uh, is somebody that's going to get you the tough yards. And he did look decent in college. He had two really good years in college. So it is. You know, he he doesn't. Allison doesn't have any wiggle, and he's not real fast. Davis isn't real fast either, but he's a really good pass catcher, and and he does have a little bit of power despite not being. Uh, real big so with with Atlanta's needs on defense and offensive line I don't think they're gonna spend high capital on a running back I would be surprised if they went one before the third round or maybe even the fourth round um it's given the yeah and this sounds terrible and so I, I hate it to I don't mean it as disrespectful as it sounds but given the disposable nature of all but a few running backs, um, I could see them trying to make a run by bringing in, uh, you know, a fourth or fifth or sixth round rookie to kind of fill in the spaces that uh, Allison and Davis or, or Smith don't really have. So that might be a Khalil Herbert who's small and fast, somebody like that. Uh, I don't, you know, I know we, we like to see, Fields mock to Atlanta and think he'd, he'd be good. Given that restructure of Matt Ryan, I don't think they're taking a quarterback for, let's see, two more years, maybe three, because there's so much dead cap that if they decide to cut Ryan before 2023, 
Uh, they've literally said we're going in, we're going in complete tank mode. We're gonna go. We're gonna let him eat up forty million of our cap space, and, and that's that. So they're they're gonna have Ryan around for about three more years. So I don't feel like they're gonna spend a high draft pick on a quarterback in the next couple of years. I guess you could, if you think running back is the one that's going to put you over, maybe you do go Javante Williams in the second round or something, because you know, you'll have him on a team friendly deal for four years. And that might be, maybe I just talked myself into taking a running back. Yeah, we uh, we discussed that quite a little bit on Monday's episode because we had Atlanta taking uh, Justin Fields. Uh, you know, I talked about him obviously being the hometown kid and, and with the fact that they did restructure Matt Ryan's contract, that's what I brought up is that there's no way they're cutting him this year because he's 40-plus mil on the cap. Next year, I believe it's 15, right? Do you still have it up? Yeah, uh, I have it. I have it up. It would be – it says 40 – uh, point five, but that's if they cut him. I yeah, think actually. Ryan's the guy that could end up getting traded. Also, I think if we've seen anything this year, it's you know where there's a will, there's a way. Point of we, years. Well, and we just saw the huge TV money deal. If the salary cap jumps to two hundred and twenty million next year, which is what they're talking about, eating a twenty-five million dead cap and trading a guy because. Matt Ryan's somebody that some team will take will take in a trade if Atlanta bottoms wants to bottom out and start over. There might be other ways that they can find cap money. I just I think that they're not as wedded. That's his cap hit. His dead cap would be forty point five if they cut him. But if you trade him, you don't absorb the dead cap hit for the salary. So that's what I'm saying. His base salary next year is 17 million. So it's more like a 23 million dollar cap hit, which I know is sounds like a lot until we uh, uh, probably die. Um, his dead cap this year, if they cut him this year, is 65 million. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they cut him this year at all. There's no. I way. don't think. No, you know, think after what crazy. we've seen, I don't think they outright yeah. cut these guys because you saw yeah. Goff got traded, Wentz got traded, Stafford got traded. If there's a will, you and the cap jumps forty million dollars, eating twenty three million of dead cap while you're rebuilding around a rookie of uh, set of rookies that are still pretty cheap is not that bad. So what worries me about the cap that you're talking about. And I wish I could remember what I was listening to this morning when I was driving that was talking about it. That TV money doesn't hit until the 2023 season. So they were the, what I was listening to this morning, that's what they were talking about was don't expect a massive jump in the cap next year. But when 2023 comes, expect it to go up a lot. And you're going to have, I guess, there's new changes in the, what the players get as well from that deal and everything. So, like, that's when they think you'll see a bunch of big player deals getting done. Because they were talking about, they were previewing, like, some of the free agents we're going to see next year. I think it was, like, uh, TJ Watt, uh, Anthony, uh, Darius Leonard. I'm sorry, Darius Leonard. Anthony Walker was signed with the Browns this offseason. But uh, it was like, uh, they were talking about that. So, so I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't think they trade him anyways because I don't know who's going to take him, especially with the way he's looked and that amount of money. But 
I don't know. I think it's hard to pass on a guy like a Justin Fields, Zach, whoever it is. I, I can, I just, we're going to talk about the rookie quarterbacks. I'll just say now, Justin Fields is my second rated quarterback. I, I don't think you can pass on a guy like that who has a franchise chance. And if you end up having to have Matt Ryan sit on the bench next year, like I do expect him to ride with him this year, no matter what. But if he ends up having to sit on the bench next year because Justin Fields is better we've seen quarterbacks with bigger cap hits sitting on the bench. So I, I don't know what they do. I would not be surprised. We, we talked a lot about that, though, on Monday, that we would not be surprised if they didn't go quarterback uh, at four, if they even maybe traded out and let someone jump up who was looking to get a quarterback. But we, unfortunately, don't want to do trades in the mock draft because we felt like it's just way too much work to try and figure out what trades would actually go down. So... Uh, next up is James White. He signed a one-year, $2.5 million deal with the Patriots. A little bit surprising. I, I did not expect him to come back. And why I think I'm, I'm probably the one biggest on Cam Newton going back to the Patriots and thinking it's going to be at least okay. Uh, I don't know if this is great for James White's value, though. Uh, we did not see Cam Newton dump the ball off to him a lot last year. I don't know if that will happen this year. They still have Sony Michelle and Damian Harris on. Uh, the on the roster. So, Dennis, what were your thoughts about James White returning to the Patriots? It's going to be one of those things where you hope that on the bye week that you have to start him, that he catches 10 passes and scores a touchdown. Because we've seen Belichick in how he handles his running backs, and he game plans and – Whatever the game plan calls for, that's that's where he goes. Maybe it's 40 carries. Maybe it's 20 passes to the running back. Um, so White could either be the most involved running back for two weeks straight, or he could be uh, not involved, literally not play a single snap for two weeks straight. Um, and that's just the way it's been for years with Belichick. And I wouldn't expect it to change. So White can be productive. The end, it's that's the trouble you get with these um, total points and averaging the years numbers to get it. And it's you have to really take it into context and see who plays their running backs on a consistent basis. Do is there a big fluctuation in their snap count? Um, it, it's I, I don't hate it. I think he's going to an offense he knows, uh, a team he knows. So there's familiarity there I, I don't hate it for him but I don't think it's going to be it doesn't move the needle for fantasy I was mildly surprised he didn't go back with Brady in Tampa Bay that was a big team that was rumored to be in on him but uh, I think it's great for all of us that took Keyshawn Vaughn last year um, probably opens up more of a chance for him to get in there and get that passing game role uh, which is part of what made him so appealing when he got drafted. White didn't have as bad a season, I think, as, as we think. Uh, he had the, that issue with his parents that kind of took him out, and it seemed like it was really slow to work him back into it after that. And we don't know what the the mental toll of that is, the physical toll. You knew how much his teammates loved and appreciated him. And I think if you look – he had 62 targets, got 49 balls for 375, which isn't which isn't too bad. But if you look at Burkhead, who kind of took over that role during the times where they weren't able to lean on White, he had 33 targets for 25, 25 receptions, 192 yards, three TDs. 
Burkhead's a free agent, not there. If you figure that White kind of goes back to what his role was and if he's healthy and available, you could see him getting a little bit closer to what he did in 2019, um, which is he had 95 targets. So that's right about on par with combining him and what Burkhead did. 72 receptions, 645 yards, five TDs. I don't think it's – I don't think his – his production when he was on the field ebbed down that much. I think it was his presence and availability and his role in the offense for a while due to extenuating circumstances that knocked him back. So it's probably a good fit. Yeah. So Gavin, just to let you know, we will be actually be talking about what we expect Denver to do at their first round pick here in just a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, we talked about it a lot on Monday too. There were a lot of rumors that uh, James White would go to Tampa Bay. Uh, and we did talk about how, especially someone like I, I liked Keyshawn Vaughn a lot last year. So I agree. Probably the best news for Keyshawn Vaughn and, James White is not coming in there for at least a year to pair back up with Brady and, and steal that role away from him. I still think he is the best pass catching back on that roster. Uh, and and James White is the best pass pe- pass catching back on the Patriots roster right now. So we'll see. I mean, he will be out there. We, we see that he goes out there a lot in a lot of the different formations. It'll mostly just be Will Cam Newton check the ball down to him because he doesn't get as many rushes as you probably need for him to produce for you in fantasy. The last two uh, major I guess I shouldn't say major, but I guess interesting or worth talking about moves here. Tevin Coleman, one year, $2 million to the Jets. Obviously saw a lot of people saying yesterday to uh, just completely fade this completely. Uh, They do have LaMichael P. Ryan on the roster as well. Dennis, your thoughts on Coleman, any interest in picking him up this year for like a third round pick? I mean, I I can't imagine you have to pay much more to get him right now. So. You know, if I'm looking to add a body that might give me some value at some point, uh, I suppose for a third or fourth round pick, you could do a lot worse than Tevin Coleman. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who he was brought in to teach the system to the running backs from a running back perspective. Uh, And he's obviously going to be ahead of the curve. He'll be ahead of the curve for uh, P. Ryan, for Josh Adams. Uh, those are the other, the only two running backs, uh, three running backs on, on the roster right now uh, until Frank Gore gets re-signed. Um, but Don't you I, do I, it. Don't you dare. What I'm doing, though, is I'm going to go out and try to spend that same third-round pick and get LaMichael P. Ryan. Now that everyone's like, oh – Coleman's coming in and he's going to do it because at this stage of their careers, P Ryan has the upside. So we've seen, we've seen him in college be a better pass receiver than Coleman and Coleman's decent. Um, We've seen P Ryan have some decent long speed. I think he can fit nicely into that one cut offense and, and produce once he knows what he's supposed to do. So Coleman will come in. He'll be a good teammate. He'll probably be the starter at the beginning of the season. He may be the nominal starter for the entire season, but I would not be surprised to see it be a 55-45 split with uh, uh, P. Ryan getting the 55. See, the Jets are a team that I 100% think are taking a running back at some point in the draft, and that's that's going to be their target. 
the Michael P. Ryan, you know, hopefully he does get an opportunity. I'm still stashing a few shares of him. I, w- I would love to see him get a chance. Coleman's an interesting guy because he had a decent run with Atlanta. He was a pretty trendy guy on the free agent market going into 2019, signs that two-year deal to go back with Kyle Shannon in San Francisco. Everybody's pumped. And he started out pretty well that first year. You know, at one point in time, he scored four touchdowns in a game and was being mentioned in the same breath as Jerry Rice uh, for what he had done in single game performances. But last year, he just fell off. He had—I I couldn't believe how low his stats were. He had 53 total rushing yards for the entire season, appearing in eight games. Got four passes for 34 yards. He just basically got phased out by. Jeff Wilson and Mostert and anyone else that they could find uh, to put in there. Maybe he needs a new place to to get off to a start. It's going to depend on who rises to the top there. Can LaMichael Pirine take advantage? Do they draft a guy that ends up taking advantage? But if Coleman ends up doing something similar to what he did in Atlanta or in that first season with the 49ers, he could be an RB3. And I think – I get what you're saying about trying to get Pirine, but I think the reaction immediately yesterday was don't touch Tevin Coleman. So now if you can get him for free or for a fourth round pick and he ends up returning you RB3 or RB4 value, that's probably better than some of the dart throws you're taking at the end of a fourth round of a rookie draft. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to get Pete Ryan right now. I think everybody still thinks he's going to be the guy. And and I'm with you. I mean, I don't love Tevin Coleman, but he knows that offense. I mean, the LaFleur comes from that Kyle Shanahan tree. So as Dennis mentioned, he knows the offense. I'm not trying to say that means they brought him in there to be the starter. I still wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a running back because P. Ryan got his shot a couple times last year and just didn't look like he was it either, if I'm being honest. Like, I don't know if the Jets take a pick in the second round, third round, but if a decent enough running back falls, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys are made somewhat irrelevant by the time the draft comes and goes. So I, I might take a shot on Coleman just because we've seen at times he can he can produce as an RB2 and, and be good enough to start. And I do think, again, he knows this offense coming from the Shanahan tree, so he could be an intriguing fit here for the Jets. Last but not least, uh, Damian Williams, who I don't know if we even talked about when he got cut from the Chiefs, but he had opted out, and obviously all the jokes were the Chiefs opted out of him uh, the earlier this offseason. He ends up signing with the Bears, one-year deal. I don't think this is that big of a deal. I'm not fading Montgomery like everybody seemed to be when they saw the news, but Matt, what were your thoughts for the Chicago Bears backfield when you saw the signing? Yeah, I think he's good veteran depth and a veteran handcuff. I'm not fading Montgomery. I still have him as an RB2. I think he's still the guy. We saw with the Bears last year, though, Tariq Cohen got injured early in the season. A little bit in the middle part, David Montgomery was injured too, and they were left with nothing really to roll out there at running back. This feels like insurance. Uh, they, I didn't even see terms disclosed, but it didn't sound like it was going to be a very big money deal. I don't see him as anything more than a handcuff. Yeah, I mean, I get that Williams had a really good Super Bowl, but he's he's almost 30 years old. I think we know where he stands uh, on the pecking order. It's he's 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 going to be third. Cohen's going to be step back into his passing game role. Um, Johnson is the number one. 
Uh, and I'm going to send out some orders for Tevin Coleman. So offers for Tevin Coleman, I guess. Let's see if Ro Namath listens to this. Are you ordering him into into the front lines? Order. Yeah, something. All right, we'll see if. Uh, well, let's see. I don't have a fourth. Boy, I feel like a three a three oh three is a little too steep. Yes, yeah. Tevin Coleman so, feels like a guy that post rookie drafts is going to get set free for in some teams that need to make space that you could just quietly stash before well, training camp. I, 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 I sent a, a 22 third for him. Let's see what happens. All right. So let's talk about the rookie quarterback. So we're going to discuss at least five of them because I believe five of them are worth discussing. And then if you guys want to talk about any of the others, we can. Uh, we'll start at the top here. And I assume for both of you, Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback one. Is that correct? Yes. I'm that not is correct. Sense. So I, I mean, in Sims's defense, though, he's been pretty good when it comes to nailing the quarterback. So, you know, it's funny. It I don't know if wasn't uh, great at playing quarterback. I, I don't know those who can do those who can't teach. I don't know. Here's here's the thing about Sims though, and I don't know if if you saw this, Dennis. I'll have to go back and see if I can find it. I don't remember who it was that pointed this out. Now, uh, but someone rankings after the fact. All the time, yeah, and because uh, Jared Wackerly tweeted that out uh, of Dynasty Nerds, I saw that. So I, I, I don't know if he's quite as good as he looks at times because he consistently changes his ranks and, and makes it look like he was right. So, I mean, I'm not going to doubt the guy. He's played in the NFL. He's on national TV, so clearly he must know what he's talking about. But I'm going to get – I disagree vehemently with him and some of his thought processes, thought process on these uh, quarterbacks. But <laughs> – that doesn't matter. We're here to talk about our thoughts on the quarterbacks. And I will start with you, Dennis. Uh, while I do agree that Trevor Lawrence should be ranked number one, I'll give you my thoughts on why. I don't think I'm going to have him ranked one, but I'll let you go first, Dennis. What are your What's your takeaways from Trevor Lawrence? Why do you have him at one? I I I think he's a extremely talented player he's got good mobility we we you know as an Ohio State fan we've seen him express some long speed uh, great arm makes all the throws makes good decisions reads the defense well throws with anticipation isn't afraid to throw into a tight window he does all of the things that a seasoned NFL quarterback does um, I I feel like he's going to be there's that that's my thing I feel like I say that all the time I'm trying to break that habit. Uh, Lawrence is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. For me, the gap between him and Fields, it's not a very big gap. The gap between Lawrence and Fields is not as big for me as the gap between Fields and Wilson and Lance. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. I think Lawrence is going to be good. He's going, he's, he's going into a situation where – He's going to have some some weapons to work with if Urban is smart enough to really invest in that offensive line and let NFL caliber coaches run NFL caliber offenses with maybe sticking some stuff in there. You know, I, I don't think you can run a read option uh, for you know sixty minutes in the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson aside, I guess. Um, but 
Lawrence does all of the things you need to do. He's he's very cerebral in the game, much like Fields, very smart, um, has has all of the tools. So I, I feel like moving him out of number one after three years of being number one is just a, a, an attention grab. Yeah, I think that's it for, for me, too. Uh, also, to Dennis's point, how could you not run a professional NFL offense with star power like Philip Dorsett and Marvin Jones and Carlos Hyde in Jacksonville? I mean, that's just setting the world on fire. But Lawrence has a lot of experience, a lot of intangibles. I think he's he's very, he's ready to go, and he's proven all of his tests. I I think we all probably end up having – Fields at Lawrence and Fields one and two in this group. I do agree that they're not that far apart and Fields probably got hurt a little bit by his school, not having, you know, not having a normal 2020 being late to the party, not playing a lot of games, didn't get to be out there uh, as much. I I think that hurt him a little bit when you have some of these other um, players that are now vaulting up because, you know, it's it's always recency bias, it feels like to me. But Lawrence, Lawrence I think, is going to be a heck of a player. Yeah, so something you just mentioned, Dennis, is I think – I'm trying to figure out how to word this correctly – is something that is a plus for Trevor Lawrence but is a negative for Justin Fields at times, and I don't understand it in – you said that we've been told for three years that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the best quarterback in this draft class. And so whenever we see any, I don't want to say issues, whenever we see any inconsistencies in his game, any faults in his game, it's, well, you know what, it was probably just a bad play because he's the number one quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has more faults in his game than people give him credit for. And if you really go back and look at it, and I want to rem- I don't remember what he changed his Twitter handle to. It was FF Baldman. Uh, is Christian. Let me see if I can look up his last name really quick because he talked about it. And I think he Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. He wrote an article about this. Now I will say that I'm pretty sure he is a, I don't know if he's a Buckeyes fan, but he's a massive Justin Fields fan or he believes Justin Fields is QB one. I'll put it that way. And I don't disagree with him in the fact that Clemson offense, if you go back and look at it through multiple years, including when Deshaun Watson was there, that offense has been designed to get the ball out quickly. Everybody cast stones at Justin Fields for not going through his progressions. If you watch just Trevor Lawrence, he doesn't go through his progressions all that often either. A lot of times he's hitting his first guy, stays on his first guy, or the play is designed to get the ball out to his first guy. Not always going to work for you in the NFL. I think Trevor Lawrence struggles throwing the deep ball more than people think he does. Uh, I did a little thing on the Debbie Debate Show where we mostly talked about college players and went over the past two seasons of deep ball percentages for Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence was by far worse than Justin Fields and Zach Wilson in throwing the deep ball. And he had more attempts than both of them. If you guys don't know, obviously Justin Fields had that amazing year last year where I believe it was almost 50, if not 50 touchdowns and like one or two interceptions. Maybe it was three because I think he threw two in in the game against Clemson in the playoffs. And then Zach Wilson, his sophomore year, had a down year. He played injured. That was some gun. He had 41 passing TDs and three INTs in 2019 and 10 yeah. rushing TDs, 10 so 51 touchdowns. total. Yeah. So 
Fields had that phenomenal year, and that's when everybody started talking about coming into this year. Well, hey, him and Trevor Lawrence are neck and neck, where I believe they should be, as both of you mentioned as well. So none of us are in disagreement there. But Zach Wilson had a down year last uh, in 2019 due to some shoulder injuries and just some other things going on, had a bad year. Yet both, you just mentioned Matt, Justin Fields had a down year this year, which I agree was partly due to the just stupidity of the conference there. Both of them still with their one with their two bad years outplayed Trevor Lawrence in most of the stats. And I understand stats aren't everything. If you watch the film, as Dennis mentioned, Trevor Lawrence is still a phenomenal QB. He's got all the intangibles. I just can't say for a fact that he is easily the best quarterback in this class. I, I do think that because he came in as a true freshman and we were told he's the next Andrew Luck, we've been being told he's the next Andrew Luck since he was like a junior in high school. So you're talking about over the past five, six years, everybody's saying this is the next Andrew Luck coming into the NFL. I think you just start to get that put in your mind and you expect him that that's what he's going to be. And I don't think he's that. I really don't. I think, <laughs> <laughs> of course, the the biggest Justin Fields hater has got to jump in here now. Uh, I do think that – uh Trevor Lawrence is going to be a very good pro prospect. I would not be surprised if he's going to be close to what Andrew Luck is, but I also think that Trevor Lawrence is closer to hitting his ceiling than the next three guys we're going to talk about, which is another reason why I think that the guy next, who I have it to, Justin Fields, could be better than him at the pro level. Because you're right, Dennis, we did see it. He pretty much won a game for Clemson on a 60-yard run where he caused a safety to miss the tackle uh, in the playoffs in 2019. But as the way I put it, Trevor Lawrence doesn't look pretty when he runs. Justin Fields does. I think Justin Fields was held back a little bit in his running. With Ryan Day, I know a lot of people believe he thinks he wants to be a pocket passer. I think that was just the offense that Ryan Day runs because when Ryan Day was not there, uh, Fields ran a ton this past year in the Michigan State game. I do agree with Matt that with the way the Big Ten handled the conference and we're playing, we're not playing, we're playing, kind of screwed them over. If you go back and look at their schedule too, they played, I believe it was one game off, two games off, Another game off due to COVID really just wreaking havoc on the Big Ten at the back half of the year. He had no time. I mean, time even to with the consistent. two playoff games, they only get eight total, you know, playing yeah. in the semifinal and in the national championship game. And all you hear about is how football players are creatures of habit. They have to have the same stuff. There was no, the practices were never the same. And yet, when we needed it and when he needed it the most, we saw him go out there and torch Clemson. And then, of course, he ended up going out there and having a bad game against Alabama. So all that goodwill he put in against Clemson kind of fell right back to the wayside after the game against Alabama. I think too many people are holding that Illinois game. Um, well, not Illinois, Indiana. I'm sorry. Indiana game and the Northwestern game uh, against him. When we've seen Trevor Lawrence had a bad game against Georgia Tech, who at the time he had that bad game against them was like the 130th ranked defense. Zach Wilson has had bad games against lesser competition as well. Everybody has bad games. Nobody's perfect. I think Justin Fields' ceiling is higher as a passer and as a rusher, and I do expect him to have a better NFL career. So I am stealing this from someone I truly respect in the industry, in Ray Garvin. I actually have his hoodie on right now. I don't believe there is a quarterback one or two in this class. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are QBs 1A and 1B for me. Uh, and I do. I will say that – you can say it's homerism. That's fine. I truly believe that Justin Fields has a higher ceiling and at the end of the day will end up being a better NFL quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. The floor is yours, Dennis. 
on Justin Fields? I mean, Justin Fields has shown that, you know, when they were coming out of high school, they were the consensus one and two players. It's splitting hairs. Uh, I agree with you that because of his athletic ability, Fields may have a higher ceiling. Uh, so if Lawrence is closer to reaching his ceiling, I mean, if you're on the 35th floor and your ceiling is the 40 floors, I mean, you're still way fucking up there. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into, I've been told for five years that Lawrence is QB1. I've seen for five years that he's QB1. Uh, some of it may be the fault of whatever jackass Georgia coach decided that uh, – Oh, who, who's the doofus backing up? And uh, Jake, Fromm Jake Fromm was better Jake than Justin Fields. He's not even the backup so, anymore because they got Mitch. Yeah. Right. So if if so, whatever coach it was that decided Fromm to oh, play was, over Kirby Field. Smart was the one who decided that Fromm was better than Fields. Kirby, Kirby not smart. So, you know, that – the Lawrence's resume is is bigger. Um, it has more highlights, more top performances. So he's put the work in. He, he, he may be closer to a ceiling, but that's a, it's a high ceiling. Fields has to he, – he's going to have to outperform. He can't, Fields can't go in and just be as good as Trevor Lawrence in the NFL and end their careers being better than Trevor Lawrence. If he's only as good – as Trevor Lawrence is when he gets to the NFL, when they retire, it's going to be Lawrence one, Fields two. So Fields has to go in and be better because he's already starting. He has to – his ceiling may be higher, but he even to get to where Lawrence is at, he's got to do a little bit of work, in part because he doesn't have the resume there. So Fields is a great quarterback. He's going to have a great NFL career, I believe. Um Unfortunately, he's probably not going to go to my Lions or my Browns. So I'm going to have to root for him uh, in some other fashion. QB, QB 1B. Matt, Matt doesn't want to hear him being drafted to the Browns right now because they don't need that in their life. You know. They're finally putting it all together. Don't no, no. That I, love, I love Baker. No, I said, I'll be honest, wherever Fields goes, I will have a I will have a jersey for whatever team he goes to, and I will be a fan of that team. I won't root for him when they're playing the Browns, but I will be a fan of that team. I'm hoping he so, goes to Atlanta because my boy Colin is a big Atlanta fan, and I'd like to be able to cheer for the Falcons with him. So, but don't you think the bigger a little bit of the bigger curiosity here is not, uh, you know, debating whether you know about Lawrence and Fields, who I think are both going to be going to be great but more that it went from them being kind of the one, two at the end of 2019 to fields being some people have fields fourth or fifth in the listing of quarterbacks, which is, it feels like that's an over penalty reaction to them not playing a lot of games. And and yes, he had a terrible Northwestern game. I don't even think he had a terrible game in the national championship. They got destroyed early. I mean, he didn't have a bunch of turnovers. He just didn't have, a bunch of success. No one on Ohio State had a bunch of success. Their defense didn't have a bunch of success. No one, you know, they 
sometimes you just get destroyed and it doesn't matter how good you are on offense. You're not coming back from that. I think some of it goes to, uh, we saw this happen last year with the guy of his first namesake and Justin Herbert. If you go back to the year prior, Justin Herbert was talked about as being the first quarterback off the board over Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Then he decides to come back to school. And a lot of people, including myself, thought that was the right decision because I thought he had things to prove. And then I said it all last year. You guys were here. You know. I had Justin Herbert above Tua. I truly believe that Herbert was still the guy. And now we've seen – now, nothing against – I'm not trying to say Tua is not good. We didn't really get a chance to see Tua. I do believe he was still a little bit injured – bad situation, whatever. But I think we've realized that Herbert is good. Uh, and we saw that last year. And I think that's part of his, we're just overanalyzing it. You see a guy like what I've always said on Debbie debate is you see a guy like Zach Wilson, who I think has the intangibles. I guess we can start to, he yeah. is not my QB three. Uh, is he QB three for either one of you? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I have and Lance are yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. close. I have Lance. I, I, I think right now, I, I, I have Wilson at three, but I, you know, it, you, you can't use the competition argument against Lance or Wilson uh, because Lance played in a lower division. Wilson played in an upper division. He just played a whole bunch of shitty teams in an upper division. So yeah, it was. It, you know, they, they both. They have to put together a resume when they get to the NFL. I could see either one of them. You know, I like Lance as a little more athletic Steve McNair. You know, that's he's big, he's strong. Uh, coming from a small school, McNair out of Alcorn State, that's something that I, I feel like he could come in and if he gets in the right offense and has the ability to grow into it, he could do well. Uh, Wilson is, he's just a little, he reminds me a little too much of the way Johnny Manziel played. That's not to say he reminds me of Manziel. He just tends to get out of structure so quickly. He makes plays, but he's going to have to rein that in for me a little bit. Um, He's got, he's got a much better arm than Manziel. I think he, I think he does virtually everything better than Manziel did. Uh, I hated Johnny Manziel as an NFL player. Didn't think he was going to be good. I don't think he would have been good if he'd have been sober. Um, but he he just – it's – the two of them have to put some work in, put some stuff on tape at an NFL level to take that next step. Wouldn't surprise me if either one of them come out of this class as the best best quarterback in this class, though. Yeah, so I'll stay on Wilson since we were talking about him. But as I mentioned, he is not my QB3. Uh, I do agree with you, Dennis. I actually said this on the Camps to Canton podcast with Colin and Felix when we were talking about uh, the – we have a big Justin Fields-Zach Wilson debate on there all the time because Felix, uh, I believe, has Zach Wilson as probably QB0 because he thinks he's just that amazing. Uh, but I, I agree. I compared him a lot to Johnny Manziel and the fact that he – it's controlled chaos in the backfield. He doesn't always just sit in the pocket, and I don't love the way that he, as you just mentioned, bails so quickly. Now, he makes plays. Don't get me wrong. He's got a phenomenal arm. He can throw off his back foot, throw 50, 60 yards standing still. Like, he makes plays. 
I'm not always sure that those plays are going to work, though, in the NFL. There's a lot of times that you see him complete plays to wide receivers and to double, triple coverage that I don't think that's not happening in the NFL. The defenders in the NFL are going to pick that off. I think Zach Wilson has room to grow. I think the reason so many people, to answer your question a minute ago, Matt, have moved him over Justin Fields is because they compare him to someone I don't think is fair to compare him to, and that's Patrick Mahomes because he's got a big arm and the way he runs around and throws out of different arm slots. And so that's become the new sexy trend, right? The quarterback who can run around, throw it falling down and all that other stuff. And all of a sudden it's up. Well, Wilson's the next Patrick Mahomes. You know, he went to prom with two women. Like it's a whole thing. Zach Wilson is his own thing. And I think that is all kind of boosted him above people where I think if you go and look at his play over his career, he's gotten better every single year. I just don't think he's on the same level as Fields and Lawrence. And I don't think he's on the same level as Trey Lance, who's my QB three. I will say that I disagree with Dennis a little bit here. And that I think it's Wilson. I'm sorry. It's a Lawrence and Fields in their own tier. And then right below them is Trey Lance is a small step down. And then there's another step down where my other two quarterbacks are. I think Lance is in a tier of his own because of his athletic ability. You mentioned he's very good athletically. I think he has a cannon of an arm. I'm a little bit worried about him throwing. I haven't seen enough of it. I don't. I do think some of that was him. I'm sorry, was the offense, not him. When you have the best athlete on the field, we saw the way that they used him at North Dakota State was not always him throwing the ball as well. Dude, he's faster than everybody, so we're just going to call some run plays for you and let you go. And I don't think that, that was good for him. I do think he needs to develop. He is not Patrick Mahomes, Felix. You're you're part of the re- you are part of the problem, my friend. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you're right. He does play really great in controlled chaos. That's why they got their asses kicked by Tampa Bay this uh, year in the Super Bowl, right? That controlled chaos worked really well for Patrick Mahomes. I just don't. Uh, I, I'm Lance. I think has tremendous upside. He is the only other one, in my opinion, that I think can reach the level that Fields and Lawrence can. I, I just don't. Wilson scares me the most out of everybody else in this class. I think he has the highest bust potential out of the other five that I think can be NFL quarterbacks because of the way that he plays. He also, as I do agree with Dennis, has tremendous upside as well. I don't think he's near his ceiling, but I don't think his ceiling is uh, up there with Lawrence and Fields. I can't remember what I compared this to. For me, Lawrence and Fields is like staying at the – can't remember what the name of the hotel is now, but I know Bellagio oh, is a very good place. No, no, no. I was thinking about places in Vegas is what I compared it to at one point. I can't remember what the name of it is, but I'm, I know the Bellagio is a nice house hotel. So we'll just Caesar's go with the Bellagio. Staying in Vegas, at the, uh, they're all nice at night. Okay, very true. Staying at the... That, uh, that actually, that's 100% not yeah. true. <laughs> Uh, Caesar's we'll, we'll Palace just go with, is probably the best one on the show. Caesar's Palace, Bellagio, whichever. One of those two, you're staying at the uh, the suite top floor at the hotel in Vegas where I think Zach Wilson could end up being, you're staying at the holiday Inn, like five miles off the strip. So I, I'm just not a hundred percent sold on Wilson, so but go what, ahead, Matt. What, what is your five, your top five? My top five is Lawrence Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. I've been very firm on that for a while and I'm not changing it because of him having so- a couple good games. Your your feeling about Zach Wilson is how I feel about Trey Lance. He's my five because I of have, the boom bust. Yeah, and you know he seems to be the most polarizing candidate. It's in some ways it did him a disservice that his school didn't play in twenty twenty, yeah. but 
he doesn't have a ton of experience and he had to sit out a year coming from a smaller school. There are questions, you know, Dennis compared him to Steve McNair in a flattering way. I was uh, ironically on my drive home to come do the show today, listening to NFL network radio, compare him to Steve McNair in an unflattering way. Uh, You know, basically the two guys on there said, if you take Trey Lance, you're just praying that the football gods smile upon you. And I was like, oh, so it's, I mean, we're, I guess we'll find out. It just, he's probably the one of those five that scare me the most. And then I take it all of us think then it's a way step down to the Florida quarterback. Yeah, Kyle Trask. Yeah, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I've heard, I've heard your your thoughts about him being yeah. a career backup. It's great that he keeps getting mocked to uh, Chicago. Because then, then they could have Ann, the Red Rifle, Nick Foles, and Kyle Trask, and Allen Robinson just out there drinking every night. All right, so we've kind of touched on everybody. Matt gave his top five. Dennis, give us your top five, and then we'll talk about Mac Jones because he's the one that none of us have really talked about at the moment. Well, I, I have Lance at, at four and Jones at five. Um, and there, from Wilson to Jones, it's not a big gap. Um, I think Jones, uh, probably it's a little bit of the athleticism. He's going to have to win with his, his brain anticipation. Uh, and he very, very well could. I, I don't think he's going to be, he's not the afterthought in the NFL that I think he was a couple years ago when he first took over, uh, as the starting quarterback in at Alabama, uh, I think his arm is strong enough, and he makes good decisions. So as long as he doesn't go somewhere where he's all of a sudden put in a situation that he's just on the run all the time, uh, Jones I don't think has the ability to be under constant pressure and having to escape. For he doesn't have the arm talent to hold up to that. I'm, I'm not saying he has to be have a you know a clear pocket on every single throw. But if he's repeatedly getting hit when he's throwing, it's going to lead to interceptions and completions, uh, eventually, you know, the Derek Car- uh, David Carr treatment. So I-, I think of the five, Jones probably needs to have the best supporting cast to have the most success. And that's why I have him at five. Yeah, so I have him just ahead of Wilson because um, just to, to, I guess, wrap up that conversation, I think his floor is a little bit safer where I think what Dennis just mentioned right there, like he's got the brain from from what I've seen of the, the games I watched of him at Alabama. And what's interesting, and it, it's hard to separate because obviously we know, as we'll talk about when we talk about all the positions, Alabama had a lot of really good players on the field this year on that offensive line, those wide receivers, the running backs. So if you look at some of his advanced metrics, he was actually very good against the blitz and when seeing pressure, he knew where his dump off was and, and he hit them almost all the time. In fact, he was the best out of everybody in this class. But some of that I also don't know is if you're able to dump it off to Jalen Waddle a couple yards away from the line of scrimmage and then takes it 80 yards to a touchdown, that inflates your numbers a little bit, which did happen when I went back and watched some of the plays. So that that is my biggest fear with Mac Jones is what Dennis just said, is how well will he handle 
being under pressure because we saw a little bit of that early on in the Georgia game uh, where it was a close game for a little bit before Alabama ended up running away with it. And we did see it early in the first half against Ohio State as well. Matt mentioned, obviously, that they ended up pulling away, but we saw early they got to him a little bit. They caused him to fumble the ball. They got him a little bit on the blitz, and then they ended up just pulling away with it because that team was just so much better. So that is my biggest concern with Wilson as well. I'm sorry, with Jones as well, but I think his floor is a little bit safer, especially if I keep saying that, and I know everybody else is saying, I've been saying it forever, but it's really kind of becoming a narrative now that the perfect fit for him is New England, where they will use him to do exactly what Nick Saban doesn't just distribute the ball to your weapons. Uh, but I, I agree. A, a good offensive line, or at least a middle-tier offensive line, is going to be huge for Matt Jones moving forward. If he gets a bottom-tier NFL offensive line, he is going to struggle in the NFL. I mean, if Jones going to New England, the challenge he has is that they don't really have weapons. I mean, yeah. Well, they've got John Smith well, and Hunter Henry. Nelson Aguilar didn't have a bad year. Edelman's coming back. The resurgence of Kendrick Bourne. You don't know what they get in the draft either. They've managed to sign everybody in the world on defense. They've got to get one wide receiver in the draft at some point, I would think. And not in the first round. because They still have um, Matt's favorite guy, Nikhil Harry, who could develop into something. Nah, it's not happening. I love how I, I heard today that they're hoping to trade him for at least a fourth-round pick. Yeah, I got roasted for saying he wasn't that good. I, but honestly, who's giving up a fourth-round pick other than Detroit? I well, I shouldn't say that because he was good at Arizona State. I mean, I always said I did not think he was a wide receiver one and was overdrafted by the Patriots. So I, don't, I can't say that if he goes somewhere else that he won't succeed. I do think he has talent. I just – didn't think he fit that offense very well. Didn't think he deserved to be. I believe he was like one of the top wide receivers off the board that year and was drafted. Wasn't he? Wasn't he was a first round pick. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know he was the first round pick. I can't remember if he was the first wide receiver off the board or not. He may have been. I don't. I just did not think he was worthy of being that. Uh, again, I will say out there as I always do because I, when I trash to kill Harry, everybody thinks. I, I mean, I wasn't perfect that year. I did have a King Butler at three, and that's not working out for me either at the moment. But you know what? I just I did not I did not think Nikhil Harry was going to be that good. So, Matt, do you have any thoughts on uh, Jones? Before I have Mac we... Jones in my one and only Debbie league, so I need him to be good. He'll he'll be all right. I promise you. He's gonna he's gonna be all right. All right. So let's go into this mock draft. And in all honesty, I am going to let you two make the picks for your team. I will not argue against them. I will let you guys handle this, which puts Dennis on the clock with Detroit. We're gonna go through pick seven. Through 12 here, so I have Mark down here. And Dennis, you can tell me if I'm wrong. The biggest needs for the Lions, in my opinion, are wide receiver, quarterback, offensive tackle, and cornerback. The top, I should um, say really quick, who was You should quickly recap, yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately, as we all talked about, we think Justin Fields may not end up going to Atlanta. We already picked him to Atlanta earlier, so speak it into existence because I really do hope he goes there. One was Trevor Lawrence to uh, Jacksonville. We had – uh, we all believe that Sam Darnold should get at least one more year, so we all agreed that Penny Sewell should go to uh, – Penny Sewell out of Oregon, the, the left tackle, going to the Jets. Jamar Chase and out I of will LSU. say – all of the mock drafts I've seen come out this week have Sewell going Sewell. number two to the Jets. So it seems like the yeah. tide has turned there. I, I really think that, like we talked You're about welcome. Monday, 
if if it doesn't happen, we won't find out about it until like literally a couple days or the day of the draft, and all of a sudden yeah. Sam Darnold's traded, and then we know the Jets are going quarterback. But I, I agree. Yeah. I think I just think Sewell's the right option. I mean, we talked about it a lot on Monday, so I don't want to keep rehashing it. But uh, yeah, uh, so three we had the LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase going to the Dolphins at four the Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback Justin Fields to Atlanta. Five, we had the Northwestern offensive tackle Rashawn Slater going to the Bengals. Uh, Matt does think that they will go Pitts. I did see a lot of people, as Matt mentioned, I believe on Twitter as well, a lot of people mocking them Pitts. I just think they need to protect Joe Burrow. And I know Dennis had Slater on there as well, so that's why we ended up going Slater. And then at six, we had Devonta Smith being the first uh, – I'm sorry, the second wide receiver off the board out of Alabama going to a much-needed wide receiver team in the Philadelphia Eagles. So that puts Dennis up here with the Detroit Lions at seven. Who do you have the Lions taking? I, in my initial draft, mock draft that I did, and it's probably been four or five weeks since I did it, I I mocked uh, Trey Lance to them. So I'm trying to remember, this had to have been after the golf trade um, when I did this. I, I just feel like there's part of me that says Brad Holmes is going, you know what? Goff's my guy. I brought him over here. We're going to make something happen. Uh, and another part of me that's like, well, they're going to stick with Goff and go with a quarterback in a couple of years after they use these draft picks they got from the Rams to build their team uh, into a, a contender. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with my pick of Lance just because I think a it, it's so hard to find a franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, look at Jared Goff, look at Mitch Trubisky. Um, and and t- teams, when they see them, they, they've got to go get them. Uh I like Lance and Wilson pretty evenly. I just feel that the I and while I might have Wilson just a, a hair higher than Lance, I feel like Lance is the pick that the Lions will make. Sorry, I was trying to unmute myself. So that's interesting. I don't think anybody would expect Zach Wilson to have dropped this far, especially after Matt mentioned earlier. He has really kind of jumped up to QB2. But with Carolina now on the clock, I think that's the perfect place for him to go. And in all honesty, I've said, is even though I'm not that big of a Zach Wilson fan, if Zach Wilson goes to Carolina, it's going to be a great spot for him. And that Joe Brady offense with all those weapons around him, I think that they will get the best out of him. Joe Brady, I think, is a phenomenal offensive coordinator. Uh, so I think that is a great spot for him. Does anybody disagree with taking Zach Wilson here for the Panthers? The Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater out of the building, so they're definitely yeah. looking for something else. All right, so that puts us with Zach Wilson. So we have four quarterbacks off the board in the top eight picks, which is uh, pretty insane. Next up is your Denver Broncos here, Matthew Fox. So I've got uh, linebacker, quarterback, offensive tackle, cornerback is kind of their top needs here. Who do you have the Broncos taking? Yeah, and I cornerback's not a need anymore because they signed Kyle Fuller. They signed uh, Ronald Darby. They still have uh, Bryce Callahan, and they were able to re-sign 
uh, Justin Simmons and uh, Jackson. I can't think of his first name, which I feel Kareem? bad. Yeah, Kareem Jackson. No, Kareem Jackson. So they've got a pretty loaded secondary. I do not think they take first-round quarterback. I'm kind of like our, our listener who commented earlier, Gavin. I think it would be nice if they trade down. We're not doing trades here. I'm going with Micah Parsons uh, at linebacker. Like they they have great outside linebackers. Alexander Johnson is coming back in the middle. They need a second middle, and they need a really elite second middle, I think, to fill that out. Uh, I think that's that's the best place, and that's where they're going to go. I like it. I think Parsons is going to be legit. I believe they showed today he ran like a four three eight or something like that. Uh, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly, I saw a bunch of people tweeting out. So he I, is. Pro day, I'm running a four well, three eight. I, I know. I know. Just I'm just saying. If you watch, if you watch the dude run, I'm not saying he ran a four three eight, but he looked like a freight train coming from hell the way he was running. That dude is jacked. I mean, we we got to unfortunately miss out on him playing this year because he opted out of Penn State, but. I think he is by far one of the best defensive players in this draft. That's the thought process coming into this past college season. That doesn't change at all for me for him not playing. So I think that'd be a great pick for them to get added onto that uh, Vic Fangio defense there. So that puts us up with the Dallas Cowboys. So I've got cornerback, offensive tackle, interior defensive line, and edge rusher as their top needs here. What are your guys' thoughts on them? I think that cornerback would be the way to go if you were asking me. Let's see, Matt, you have them taking – is it Sertan? Is it Sertan? Because every time I think – I don't know if you guys have ever seen Dude, Where's My Car? We're, ta- I just we're taking Patrick S. from Alabama. All the time. Oh, one. no, what happened? He's the one that keeps getting uh, mocked to them too. That's So – Here's my biggest problem with that. And again, I I mean, it is Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, so they do like to do dumb stuff. But I still think Horn is the best cornerback in this draft, and he's on our board. There has not been a cornerback who has gone off yet. So, Dennis, where do you lean? Because I know you were talking about earlier, it seemed like you had fairly higher uh, earlier when we talked about, because you had him going earlier in the mock draft, and then you were talking about the injuries. I I don't know if that was on air, off air, uh, that you might be dropping him down a little bit. So who would you have as your top cornerback right now? You know, Sertain and Horn are, and and Farley are all three really, really good cornerbacks. Uh, At at the top of the the draft for cornerbacks, it's, it's really solid. And um, I haven't dug deep enough to determine whether you know certain ones are better at press than others or, or you know summer shadows or whatnot i just know that all three of them are good uh i i also have uh patrick sertain going to dallas uh in this pick i do think though with uh farley's foot getting a little bit dinged up those positions that rely on speed i would probably if I were redoing my, my mock, I would probably have Sertain going um, to Philadelphia where I had Farley going, and then I would have Horn here, and then Farley would be the third one off the board. All right. Well, I will stand firmly that I think Horn should be the first to go, but uh, Sertan is not a bad player at all. So since you two both think he is the one to go here, that is who we will send to Dallas, which puts us on the clock with the New York Giants. 
linebacker, edge rusher, tight end, and cornerback. Uh, wide receiver was up there, but with them adding Kenny Galladay, I feel like that's probably something they don't have to focus on, at least early right now in the draft. So They probably don't thinking? take a corner at number one anymore either because they just splashed that big for oh, yeah, Jackson. Yeah, and they had, had – uh, who was it they brought in last year too that ended up really uh, having a good year? Um, dang it. Wasn't it Logan Ryan? No, it was somebody else because uh, I no. remember talking about him at one point and you were telling me that he wasn't that good, and then he ended up having like a really good game against the top wide receiver. Was it Roby? No. Oh, why can't I remember what his name is? Now it's driving me crazy. I'll find it. Well, Matt, let's see here. Who did you pick to to put there to? So you had Gregory Rousseau going to them. Why why yeah. did you mock Rousseau to them? Well, I was looking at the positions, um, you know, the positions of need, and it seemed like they, they signed a wide receiver. They had signed a corner. So I kind of just went um, – I think it's James Bradbury is who you're thinking about. Yep. Yes, Bradbury. That's right. Yes. Um, you know, I just said wasn't that good IDC because because uh, Carolina said he wasn't that good and he got to lit up. So uh, you know, it seems like an edge rusher is probably a need. Um, Rousseau is on the top of several people's boards at that position, so that's uh, that's where I went. Nothing seemed. Nothing really felt great, honestly, for me with the Giants at eleven. Yeah. Maybe it's just because the Giants don't feel great. I, I still think they need an offensive lineman. Oh, I agree. The two best tackles off the board. It felt like a real reach to go anyone else. So that's where I kind of ended up. This is uh, where I would think a guy like Parsons could go because I do think they need a really good linebacker. Obviously, we had him going to Denver earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade out. I also wouldn't be surprised if Gettleman goes Kyle Pitts here. Uh, and this is they, they just spent so much I know, money to Kyle Rudolph, and now and I don't have, think that they're Ingram. sold on Ingram at all. And I wonder if maybe they just bring in Pitts and let Ingram walk next year. I would hate it because I'm or on they record. Got to trade of, one of them. I'm on I, record I is Kyle Pitts needs to have the year. What? What happened? I said ask New England about having to trade one of them. They don't need to yeah. trade Ingram if they bring Pitts in. So, yeah, I'll 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 toward, I, I, had, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I had Devonta Smith going here when I did the draft. Um, okay. Granted, they had not signed Galladay at that point, um, and we had him go earlier in our draft here. So I, I agree with uh, the Rousseau pick. If I was going to go offensive line, I really like uh, uh, Christian Derisaw. Tackle, yeah. you know, Solder struggled a bit. I believe he took a pay cut. Uh, yeah, I think this last yeah, and I don't yeah. think there's any guarantee he's coming and back he's, this year, from what I heard. No, they did. He restructured. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Dennis. I think I'd go Darisaw, and I think it is a little bit of a reach, but we know Gettleman is all about, as he said many a times, those hog mollies, and they need to improve that offensive line. I think. They've added, you know, Kenny Galladay. They've added Kyle Rudolph to help block. You're getting a healthy Saquon Barkley back. If you can shore up that offensive line, I mean, 
I hate to say it because I hate talking about the NFC East, but I think they become quickly again one of the better divisions in the NFL with Dallas, Washington, and the Giants taking all step forwards with free agency in the draft. So I, I think I would go Darisaw as well. So are we are we good with putting him in here as the pick? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a reach because I had him going at 12 to San Francisco at the next pick. Oh, so for okay. me, it doesn't feel like a reach. They probably right, well, don't need to tackle anymore either after giving what 170 million to yeah. well, so that you know, puts, both tackles. That puts San Francisco on the board. It'll be our last pick of the show here today. Quarterback, cornerback, offensive line, and offensive tackle. What I have written down here for the 49ers. Uh, I mean, quarterback, best quarterback on the board is Mac Jones. I don't know if they go there. Best offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Cornerback, we still have Jace Horn and um, Caleb Fairley both on the board here as well. I was trying to look at interior offensive line. You've got Tucker out of USC. Dennis, where would you lean this 49ers going here at this spot? Well, since I had them taking Derisaw, um, I actually had at 13 the Chargers taking Jenkins, so I would just go ahead and slot Jenkins in. They need that offensive lineman on the other end. They can put uh, – they got Williams at left tackle, Der- uh, Jenkins at right tackle, uh, set up the bookends there, and hopefully they'll keep opening those, you know, one-cut gaps for Jamichael Hasty. Jamichael Hasty, Stop it. Nah, Michael Hasty and Frank Gore and stick them somewhere. Um, I still think San Francisco ends up taking a corner here because you've got to secure it. When you're in a division where you're going to now see DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green from one team, Woods, Cup, and Deshaun Jackson from your other division rival, and D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in Seattle, you've got to be able to protect the back end of your – defense they gave away some of their veterans you know they let richard sherman walk they let some other guys i had them taking fairly um you know it's a toss-up for me fairly or horn i get what you're saying about the the foot thing most of the reports seem to be playing that down a little bit but you never know yeah it's hard i think jason Verretto, who has finally gotten healthy and playing out of his mind uh, Again, Kawhi 95 receivers in the, in the NFC West. I got I think, you. I, got I you. think for me it would be between – it would still be Horn for me. I still have Horn above Fairley. Again, I'm not trying to say Fairley's not as good. I just, I just like Horn a little bit better. Uh, but it would be between him and Jenkins. And the argument I can see for Jenkins is how much Kyle Shanahan loves to use the run, and he needs an offensive line to do that. And we've seen that Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's given time, can be a decent quarterback. So I am torn between these two as well. I do get what you're saying as well, though, Matt, because you're right. I mean, if you don't have at least one really good cornerback that can at least try and lock down one of these wide receivers, you're likely getting into shootouts, and I don't know if Jimmy G can keep up. I know he had the one game against the Rams a couple years ago where they had like that phenomenal shootout game, but I, I don't expect that to happen all the time. So because I think maybe they prioritize defense losing Salah, who I think was a phenomenal defensive coordinator as well, now you need to have the players in there because you may not have the scheme anymore. I would lean Horn. You guys think fairly more or Horn? 
No, I'm good going horn. But I'm you know what makes horn. a cornerback really good? What's that? Nick fucking Bosa. Wow. You know, having Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, you know, that defensive line, when a quarterback, when the opposing quarterback does not have time to throw the ball, cornerbacks look really good. That's how a 4.8 second 40 yard dash, 96 year old Richard Sherman still out there cashing paychecks and free agent deals. Very true, but you could also say but the I, reverse as well. If the cornerbacks are playing really good on a play, it allows the, the allows the edge rushers to get to the cornerback as or the quarterback as well. So it's a it's a little you know little tit for tat. I heard a lot about that on the Cleveland Browns actually today when they were talking about a uh, you know Jadavion Clowney visiting them when he didn't want to go to the Browns last year and all of a sudden now he wants to. I said, fuck, we don't need him. I'm just kidding. I'm just I'd kidding. like to, I'd like them to get a defensive end across from. Miles Garrett that gets I would too. They got to get somebody across from I I love the what I heard from Barry though today on that. I don't know if you guys were paying attention to this. I was because obviously I'm as a massive Browns fan, but they were talking about that was his goal was to bring in a defensive end on the other side of Garrett to help rush the passer. And then when he saw the edge rusher market go the way that it did, that's why he pivoted and then ended up getting Johnson. Anthony Walker, he took a shot on Tack McKinley. I thought all the moves he's made have been phenomenal, and if they can ta- cap it off with Jadavion Clowney, that would be that would be huge. But we'll see. So to recap the draft here, we went pick seven through twelve. Trey Lance to Trey Lance of North Dakota State to the Detroit Lions. Zach Wilson out of BYU to the Carolina Panthers. Micah Parsons linebacker out of Penn State to the Denver Broncos. Patrick Sertain the second out of Alabama cornerback to the Dallas Cowboys. Christian Darisol, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech to the New York Giants. And Jace Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina to the San Francisco 49ers. That will do it for us today. Matt and myself will be back on Monday. We will continue doing the NFL mock draft. We'll talk about any other signings that decide to come out over the weekend. Recap of Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 2 and, I don't know. Maybe tight ends. Yeah. That way we can save running backs and receivers to start the top with uh, Dennis. Yeah, because Dennis, I mean, what do you got? You think Kyle Pitts is good? You want to give us a teaser really quick what your thoughts are on the tight ends? Kyle Pitts, is he okay? I mean, if you're looking for a blocker, good somebody who's good in line, yeah. yeah. You know, it's Kyle Rudolphish. Yeah, I agree. 100%. <laughs> All right, everybody have yourselves a great weekend. If you catch, if you're on Twitter, make sure to wish Mr. Dennis Bennett there at culture underscore coach a happy birthday. He is turning 22. He's getting up there in age. So everybody wish him a happy birthday, though, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone. Who can make a play?